Welcome to the Struggle Bus episode of Detroit Strange. Yeah. We are trying to get our audio better, though. Yeah. We're halfway there. Please note that this microphone that you see on the screen is purely for show, as it is not plugged in because it does not work. Yeah, that's okay. But we'll have, we'll have it the looks stuff. great. Yeah. We'll figure it out by next week sometime. On the bright side, I'm wearing a cool Lizzo shirt. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, there's cords What's happening everywhere. There? Cords are the worst. It's 2020. Why are there still cords? Uh, I, I don't know. Answer me that, Internet. Um, well, because as much as technology has advanced, it still is not perfect, as is evident by our stream. True, true. We're trying our best. I might get faster internet soon because this is a struggle. <laughs> I thought mine was out this morning. and I was like, does this mean I don't have to work today? But then it came back and mm-hmm. I still had to work. Okay, but okay, okay. Worse things. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you're here, though. Me too. I'm glad that we are here. We're doing it. We're doing the thing. Same. Yeah. How was your week? Uh, you. Eh, same. Samesies. Fast but painful. Yeah. That's what I'm going to describe it as. I've fully fallen into TikTok this week, which for better or for worse, it's making me gayer and thirstier, I realized. <laughs> Uh, I was about to say, I don't know how that works, but then I started thinking about TikTok and now it totally makes sense. There's so many gays on TikTok and they're either all talented and or like attractive. And it's Mm -hmm. like, why? Yeah. Well, I don't know. (laughs) I certainly don't know the answer to that at all. Yeah. I do like how gay TikTok is though. Uh, I like that for you. I also like your TikTok. Oh my God, thank you. It was so funny. I was so proud. I want the world to see it. I still have that roll of toilet paper. Oh, so good. I love it. It's so silly and stupid. Although, don't waste that. No, no, no. Look at me. Look at me. I'm essential. (laughs) Anywho. (laughs) Technology. We were talking about technology. And how it's wonderful and frustrating, right? Yeah. Oh, 100%. I mean, that's just been my week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you work with technology. Yeah, which is why I have this Real Housewives size glass of wine. I just realized... It's drinking right. wine, not throwing wine, though. It's very different. That made me realize that I had left my uh, beverage in the other room. What so you got? You. What you drinking? Um, I did a weird thing. So it's mostly soft parade shandy because I'm going to pretend it's springtime, damn it. It stopped snowing, so you're good. That's true. And it was melting. It looked kind of pretty on trees. I hate to say it, but it did look pretty on the trees. It really did a number on my daffodils, which is sad. I hope they come back. Yeah, they're kind of resilient, though. I feel like this happens like every other year. We get like a late winter in the middle of April, and we're all like, Right. I mean, on the bright side, at least you don't have to go outside in it because we can't leave our houses. Stay home. That's true. <gasps> Did I tell you about the exciting thing that happened to me today and my roommate? What? We got our um, portable washer dryer. We can now Ooh. wash like five articles of clothing at a time. Did your once in the basement break or? We never had any. Oh, I thought you had some in the creepy basement for some reason. No, there's hookups in the basement. And we were going to oh. try to get something. But then the um, sink, like the, I forget this, you know, the utility sink thing. 
Uh, yeah. It's like all clogged and stuff anyway. And we requested that it would be clean, um, but that never happened. And so we didn't invest yet. That's why I've done laundry at your house. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank I you never laundry. put two and two together, I guess. I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, you can do laundry here, sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious that you had no idea. Um, I may seem bright, but it's all an illusion. I uh, love it. That's fantastic. But no, it's very exciting. We're very happy. Um, I'm super stoked because I am out of pants. I'm currently wearing a pair of shorts. Um, love that for you. I'm mm-hmm. wearing pajama pants that are from high school and they have my last name on them. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Well done. I'm also wearing this snazzy headband because I have run out of hair care product. Yeah. Okay. Well, a headband is good for that. Yeah. Shout out to Julia for getting me this headband for Christmas. I like it. I like it. Fantastic. So what's something you've done this week that you've enjoyed? Either like something you've watched, listened to, done? Um, well, the washing machine was pretty big today. That is pretty big. That's... Last night I crocheted, well, I'm almost done, but I crocheted a hot pad for taking things Ooh. out of the oven. Cause I never don't know how to any of those. I've never crocheted anything other than a straight chain. Uh-huh. So this was pretty exciting. Like I, I finally conquered really easy crocheting techniques. <laughs> hey, they got to start somewhere. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> like, I'm excited to keep sewing. Like I traded a microwave for a bag of fabric with my coworker this week. Okay. Wait, um, how, do you, she, how do you figure that out? She was like, oh no, I think my microwave is broken. And I'm like, I've got one in my garage. And she's like, do you want a bag of fabric? And I'm like, sure. So. Okay. <laughs> I got like a trash bag full of fabric. Oh. Like so it makes stuff. Okay. Okay. Into that. Yeah. So uh, 2020 quarantine barter system is back. Yeah, actually, um, Leslie, who, whom you know, she was telling me that she and her friend, instead of uh, going to the store, are going to start trying to trade stuff that they have too much of. I mean, legit. Yeah. Um, I don't know of anything that I have too much of right now, other than like maybe empty bottles. Yeah, she tried to get me in on the trade and I was like, um... I don't really have an excess of anything. She was like, do you need anything or have an excess? I was like, I need yeast. Uh, I do not have an excess though of anything. Oh shit. I should, I could have given you some yeast with those cookies. Oh, that's okay. I got, I got a little hookup today. I I went to, to, uh, pick up an audio wire from my parents' porch and thank you parents. (laughs) Give you some yeast with it. Yes. (laughs) There's a joke. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It was bad. I actually, uh, I didn't do this. So I'm going to tell you, I almost looked up yeast facts for two truths and a lie, but then I was afraid that it was going to be more of the feminine imbalance yeast rather than the baking or brewing variety. Uh, and so I didn't. Fucking try me. I can, I can do either one. Well, also everything I was finding was like yeast is a fungi. And I was like, okay, Alex is totally going to know that. Yeah. Like it wasn't, I couldn't find anything. Um, earth shattering I mean yeast has been around around for so long so I'm not shocked there's nothing new you can't shock me yeast Mm -hmm. yeah well no you can just um, make delicious products with your gas 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to try to make pita bread sometime this week because I got mm-hmm. this really good hummus recipe. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to make some pita bread to go with it when I run out of actual pita bread. That sounds fun. I made, um, oh, I made naan, but I made it without Ooh. heat actually because there's, there's a couple different recipes. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of reminded me of a, like a non pita bread mixture, but it was, it wasn't too bad to make. Like the worst part was just like rolling it out, you know, individually, but we've had it twice. Uh-huh. Ooh. I've eaten far more bread in the past month than I have in the last year combined. It's quarantine. You got to do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you ever see the Hunger Games series? Mm-hmm. Well, at least the first couple. One of the characters' name was Pita, and he was a baker who made bread. And we all just accepted that. Like, oh, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, I mean, yeah. Suzanne Collins. But I thought it was like Pita, like the uh, people against animal cruelty. I think it was P-E-E-T-A. Oh, so it's... Nothing. A, yeah. <laughs> like, like, she Pete. can't spell Pita. Like Either ground, way. Like ground peat. That's a yeah. thing. That's stuff I think you use in mulch. I think. I don't know. I don't know either. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, so you've already mentioned what you're drinking. A large glass nice of wine. Riesling. 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 I was feeling real housewives today. Okay. Okay. Oh, come on. A true housewife would be drinking Chardonnay and you know it. Or a Pinot Grigio. I know. I like, I saw the Pinot Grigio and I almost got it and I'm like, no, I want the Riesling. That's fine. That's totally fair. But kind of one of the reasons why I was feeling so Real Housewives is because my topic today involves a scamming schemer bad bitch. <gasps> Ooh, do tell. Are you ready for a story? Should we get into story time? I'm so ready for a story. I like it because you can't always see my hands, but I'm very much gesturing a lot with my hands right now. Like I said, TikTok is maybe at least 30% more gay. And so I'm just like, yes, hunty, slay, queen. You're also Italian, so... Very true. Yeah. Um, I have an Italian coworker, and sometimes like I get real pissed off at work. And I'm like, my garbage fire sign Italian just is coming out because I'm also a Leo. And they're you know, fire signs. Yeah, no, there's a lot going on there. Yeah. But anyway, are you ready for a story? I'm this so one's ready. a doozy. I'm really happy about this one. I am very ready for a story. So have you ever heard of Mother Eleanor and the Flying Roller Colony? Uh, what? Mother Eleanor and the Flying Roller Colony? Yeah. It's not a ska band. <laughs> no. like Or an improv troupe. That, no. Wow. Nope. Nope. Mother Eleanor and the Flying Roller Colony is a new thing to me. Lovely gal. Uh, so her <laughs> full title was Reverend Mother Eleanor L. Mason, High Priestess of the Flying Roller Colony. Or as Houdini described her, one of the most extraordinary fake mediums and mystery swindlers the world has ever known. Ooh, I'm in. Yes. I'm so into this story. So Eleanor came to Detroit in late 1906 or 1907. I kind of had conflicting sources. But uh, she was endorsed by the leader of the New Eve group, who was Prince Michael in the UK, Mm -hmm. as the rightful leader of the Detroit and Windsor branches that were known as the Flying Roller Colony. And so the Flying Roller Colony um, 
just to give some background on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was headquartered at 137 Henry Street in Detroit between uh, Little, Caesars, Little Caesars Arena and Cass Avenue. Cass, okay. Cass mm-hmm. Avenue? What about Cass Avenue? Is it, is it, it's Cass Avenue, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, you're thinking like it might be street or road or something? Yeah. Like okay, yeah, no, Avenue. So, like I said, it was a branch of the New Eve cult, which was basically like, here's some quotes from Mother Eleanor about the beliefs of the order. Woman is the greatest and noblest creation of God. It is the old Eve through whom man fell. It is the new Eve, the exalted modern woman, whom man must be saved. Oh. And she described the new Eve as free from, quote, the degradation into which she has been plunged for centuries. And when talking about the Immaculate Conception, something the Order held very highly because it was the, quote, purest type of womanhood the world has ever known. So, um, kind of extreme, but, like, in terms of feminism, ahead of its time, because this was, like, early 1900s, and they're, like, kind of, like, women. They're good. Yeah. We're here to do shit. I like that. I support that. I stand behind it. Yeah. Support that, but not Eleanor, because she is a scammer, honey. She's not Uh here to help. Uh Uh-oh. (laughs) Uh-oh. So in January of 1907, she had garnered enough attention to catch the eye of the Detroit Free Press who sat down with her. And she was just like... Like they, they painted the picture. She's just like sitting in her house, just like decked out in opulent jewelry, just like, and what? And so some of the jewelry that was mentioned in the book is she had a pigeon's blood ring, which is like a type of like deep red ruby worth $5,000. Old time money. She yeah. had a circlet of rubies worth $15,000. A pink pearl that was priceless, as she said. And that's just like what she was wearing at the time of the interview. And she claimed to have had a strong box full of wonderful jewels worth at least $150,000 or about $4.1 million today. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she also had a silver oval on a chain around her neck that wasn't particularly opulent, but she claimed that it was from Pope Pius IX and it was the Medal of Immaculate Conception. So like I said, this order was all about the immaculate conception, the power of woman. But it, um, so the uh, the oval represented immaculate conception. I'm sure it had some kind of like crest or something on it, but like the report just said like a silver oval on a chain around her neck. Okay. So the reporter was kind of confused at this point, which like I understand because like that's for this like co- the religious order that's pretty opulent and. I guess, like, the men in the cult had to take a vow of poverty. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But she's sitting there in her mountain of rubies and diamonds and... Huh. But don't worry. She addressed it like the stunt queen she was. She just starts taking them off one by one and throwing them on the table. Just like, I don't need these. In fact, she said, um... I wear these things to please my children, but for myself, what do I care for these? Like... I don't need material wealth. Okay. But she also claims that in a snap of a finger, she could have access over to $50 million in assets and a private yacht to take her anywhere. Okay. So a Um, really like just kind of interesting, crazy figure already. Yeah. She's sending some mixed messages. Um, Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 
She also claimed that she owned 6,000 acres of land in Florida that she was giving out deeds to her followers of to start new colonies. And that's kind of why she was able to get, because she was getting jewelry and money and stuff from her followers. Okay. And so now this is where things get, like, if this wasn't interesting enough, the reporter asked her age, noting that while she's had white hair, she didn't have many signs of age, like wrinkles and whatnot. And this is how she answered that. I am over 88 years old. How much? I shan't tell. But not many years will roll by here, and I have reached the century mark. And I shall be young, because Christ has promised that we should not taste death unless we sinned. I have not sinned. Interesting. Right? (laughs) That is hilarious. Yeah, this woman. Bonkers. Uh, wait, what, what, I forget exactly what year this was again. What year was this again? 1907. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Keep going. Tell me more. So she had this whole thing going, like this whole like Mother Eleanor, I'm like this ageless, not unsitting woman. I'm the leader of this roller or flying roller colony. And she had this going until... A longtime cult member named John Swindon, Swindon fell out of favor with her. Mm-hmm. He was an affluent lawyer in the city. It was completely sold on the Mother Eleanor cult. So much so that he lent her a decent amount of expensive jewelry. And the reason that he fell out of favor with the cult is because he wed without her consent and she ordered him expelled from the cult. But she oh, didn't give back wow. the jewels. So she kept his jewels and kicked him out. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I'm I'm beginning to understand uh why she had so many. Yeah. So obviously this guy was pissed and he tried to contact Prince Michael, who, like I said, was the leader of the New Eve cult in general. And he tried to take like Prince Michael tried to take away her like Eleanor's power via cablegram. Mm-hmm. But the group loved her so much they rejected him and put even more faith to her because of this. Wow. Um, Was it just that like she had been around them? She hadn't even been around that much because she came to Detroit in 1906. Oh. So it had been like like, charismatic as crap, then it sounds like probably. Yeah. Okay. Just like, girl, this is just the surface of the story. Okay. So this incident with stealing this guy's jewels and also with the U.S. immigrations at the Canadian border, she, wasn't, she didn't pay the head tax, claiming that she was an American citizen. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of like cued law enforcement to start like pulling at the sweater thread. Okay. And so this is when the truth starts to come out. Uh-huh. So in, in March of 1907, two months after the Free Press article, word had, word had spread all the way to Scotland Yard about the eccentric high priestess. Um, Scotland Yard being like the intelligence, the old timey intelligence service of the UK. Mm-hmm. They knew her as Editha Lolita Jackson and sent a copy of her criminal dossier. It was over two inches thick, the file they had on her. What? And also, it took four months to get here, which, like, can you imagine, like, anything taking four months, like, to send a document? No, I'm mad when it takes. Like an hour. Right? Yeah. So the picture on the cover of the dossier was a spitting image of the woman in Detroit known as Eleanor Mason, mm-hmm. recognizable by the scar over her left eye and the two moles on her left cheek. 
Okay. Flying roller member F.E. Swindon, the son of the man who was exiled, confirmed that the picture was indeed her. Mm-hmm. And along with the dossier came a, a letter from her husband in Dartmoor Prison in the UK trying to figure out where his wife, Edith Lolita Jackson, had gone. Okay. The letter had claimed that she had sailed from Liverpool and gave 137 Henry Street, Detroit, as her future address. Okay. So it kind of just like confirmed that it was her. Mm-hmm. So it kind of seemed like a jig was up for her, but she kind of just disappeared like without a trace in mid-March. Like she didn't tell her followers. She just kind of like up and left. I mean, you got to tell the followers. Right. And like, she even like had an appointment with the followers on April 1st to clear things up and to answer allegations. Cause they had questions of course, now that like, you know, things were starting to not add up. Mm-hmm. Like basically they're like, they're like um, saying that she was embezzling funds and jewelry. Mm-hmm. But on April 1st, she's like, no, 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 April 1st, I'll tell you guys. Mm-hmm. Which April Fools shouldn't show up. Not shocking. Yeah. So let's just kind of take a step back and figure out who this woman actually is. So according to the Scotland Yard file, she was born in 1848 and her birth name was thought to be Editha Salomon. Uh huh. So. At 14, she claimed she was a spirit medium. And around that time, she also gave herself a new name and a backstory. So she gave her name as Anna Odelia Distebar and claimed that she was the illegitimate child of King Ludwig I of Bavaria and his mistress, Lola Montez, a dancer. Uh huh. Um, Ten years later, when she was 24, she did a stint in a psychiatric hospital where she tried to kill a doctor. She was tried, acquitted, and left the hospital. Yikes. Yep. Shortly after, she married one of the orderlies from the Institute named Paul Masur, mm-hmm. and they had a child together. Not much longer, she decided that the whole domestic thing wasn't for her, and she just, like, up and left her family. Like, husband, daughter, just bye. Fantastic. Yeah. Great. Mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. So after that, she hit the road as Madame Debar, a spiritual medium that would drift from town to town, swindling them and leaving right before anyone caught on. Uh huh. In the late 1880s, she ended up in New York City where she used some magic trips and sleight of hand to con Luther Marsh, an elderly lawyer who she convinced to give her his townhouse on Madison Avenue. Which, like, even then, Madison Avenue was ritzy. She convinced him to give her a house? Yeah. What did she- what I scammer. I am not charismatic and I understand this about myself, but like I don't I don't understand I don't I don't get it. <laughs> right? I've never liked a, a person enough to be like, I want you to right. I mean like I have, you know, I, I would I would give to friends and stuff like that, but like the most I've ever gotten out of a stranger's a drink and like I'm happy <laughs> with that. Mm-hmm. So okay. let's continue on. Yes, go on. Sorry. I No, it's okay. This so, woman. This woman. Right. This bitch. Yeah. So at this point, she was caught. I think the lawyer's daughter had kind of gotten wise to what she was doing. Mm-hmm. And she was sentenced to six months in a prison on Blackwell's Island, which is now known as Roosevelt Island, which if you've ever been to New York, is that weird island between like Manhattan and Queens. Is it the weird one that in there is an episode of Broad City and she had to go to there to pick up her mail? I think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
which like that's an interesting little island. I was reading about it and like it's had like like jails, mental institutions, hospitals. Mm-hmm. And like I don't really know what it does now, but like I guess shipping facilities according to Broad City. I feel like a lot of um like East Coast islands that aren't that far off the coast become something like that. They become either some sort of like a place for society to cast away people that they don't want to necessarily be around. Like you always hear those stories about like um like I don't know if you know a lot about Typhoid Mary. Um, no. She was this East Coast baker and a long time ago and she uh gave a bunch of people typhoid um because she was an asymptomatic carrier of it and she Ooh. kept like bacon i think it was like peaches with ice cream or something but like these rich families kept hiring her and then like this one guy kind of caught on to it and he's like uh i th- i think you have typhoid and she was like uh, nah um but she ended up getting uh cast away to one of those islands like uh, i forget which one but like off of somewhere on the east coast that was um and it was it was a weird hospital but i want to say it was actually maybe like a mental hospital or something like that uh until she would like admit that she was an asymptomatic carrier and agreed to wash her hands but yeah like those islands get used for all sorts of weird stuff like that like uh i don't know i mean islands in general though have a history of yeah like australia that's what australia is is like hey we don't want these criminals we're gonna we found this super giant island uh (laughs) let's put them there right and alcatraz Mm -hmm. which literally every time i try and say alcatraz i have to stop and think alcatraz azkaban alcatraz (laughs) azkaban is harry potter they are too similar although i do which was probably intentional I do want to say something about Australia, though, in general, yes. too. This was also uh, the British not thinking about the fact that there are already people living there who uh, occupied that land. And then, yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to forget about them. Yeah. The Aboriginals, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so after she got out of prison on Blackwell Island, she changed her name to Vera P. Ava and left for Geneva, Switzerland. She got caught for larceny there and spent two years in a Swiss prison, which I wrote. I wonder if it was the same one I stayed in, because when I was in Switzerland, we stayed in a hotel that was uh, old jail. Okay. I was like, is this a story? Like, literally had bars on my door. It was interesting. That sounds terrifying. It was actually really cool. Was it haunted? Um, It sounds haunted. Probably. I can only imagine, like, this old-ass jail. Did anybody, like, tug on your sheets in the middle of the night? Um, not I mean, that I noticed, not but I probably was drunk at that point. So, sure. yeah. Sure. So after that, she changed her name again to Edith L. Murray and tried to throw, like, just to kind of like throw anyone off her trail, mm-hmm. but it didn't work. And she was caught again. Um, but this time, like, she got off this time and headed for the Windy City, so Chicago. Okay. So, so she got to Chicago and decided to go back to going by. V- Vera P. Ava, uh, and got convicted for another fraud and spent two years in Joliet Prison in Chicago. Ooh. After she got out, she tried to she tried the domestic life again by marrying a wealthy Chicagoan named William McGowan. But again, she decided it wasn't for her, just walked out and left for New Orleans this time. Okay. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, as one does. Yeah. 
So this is where she met Frank Dutton Jackson, the man in the English prison who was asking about her whereabouts. So the guy who's claiming to be her husband in the English, like in Dartmouth prison, claiming to be her husband. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like after they, she began introducing herself as his wife, um, and they kind of started scheming together and scamming, and they actually got ran out of New Orleans for their scamming. And they went to Florida after that for a little bit, and then right after headed to South Africa because why not? Oh my gosh, I was going to say, of course they went to Florida. First, right, right. Um, South Africa, that was a little left field. I uh, wasn't expecting that. This bitch got around. Sounds like it. So um, after scamming in South Africa for a bit, the couple decided to go to London under the names Theodore and Laura Horace. And mm-hmm. while there, Theodore started a religious cult and Laura helped him by luring young girls to be prostitutes for the Lord. What? Um, yep. That's a... I've never heard of that. Um, huh. I don't know. That's, I feel like that would be a hard sell. Yeah, I don't really know. All I know is it was a religious cult and they got prostitutes. Mm-hmm. We're going to say sex workers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But that's interesting. I mean, well, cults are very interesting, though, too, in general. Yeah. They, they they have a propensity to uh, convince people to do things they would otherwise not do, and under the guise of it being a good idea. Yeah. Um, weird. Okay, go on. Continue. So uh, they were eventually caught for this and both got jail sentences. Um, pretty heavy ones. I'm not sure what he got, but she got seven years. And this was, I think, 1901. In 1906, she got parole, and that's when she got involved with the New Eve group, the group that brought her to Detroit. I guess she um, put on quite the show for Prince Michael, the leader of the cult, claiming she had a divine revelation and basically convinced him to give her a letter making her the leader of the Detroit and Windsor branches of the cult. So the Flying Roller cult. I'm sorry if you said that. How large was this cult? I couldn't really find much about the cult itself i looked um unfortunately there was another cult with a similar name in like the 90s much different mo though they were like all about like genetics okay so it wasn't like somebody trying to bring it back no it was like i think they just didn't know that this other cult existed in the early 1900s okay first of all if you're starting a cult do some research find out if it's existed before i'm just saying right Right. Also, don't start a cult. Right. I jokingly started one at a Catholic like summer camp or not summer camp um retreat. I don't know what that and means. <laughs> How do you jokingly start a cult? That sounds bizarre. I just remember we'd go around with like Jesus wants your hair for blankets and just like weird stuff like that. And people like by the end of the retreat, we got like at least three quarters of the group just being like cult <laughs> like i don't know okay fair yeah but uh so in 1906 she left england but not before taking some jewelry from the cult this girl loved her jewelry apparently but with all this like moving about and like transitions i find it very surprising that she would keep this jewelry obsession just because like that's like a that's a task like that is a task yeah. to bring because jewelry was chunky back then yeah, and hefty. Like, I feel like yeah. everything was just heavier. 
Yeah. So that's about where our story began. Like okay. she, showed the, she showed up in Detroit and basically once she left in March, she never showed her face in the city again. But in 1909, she appeared in New York City again using the name Mademoiselle Adiva Vida, a savant of all things occult. And she even convinced a socialite to give her a teaching position at the Mahatma Institute of New York, which I tried to look that up. Like I Googled that and what came up was the City College of New York. So I'm guessing that's what it became. Oh, yeah. Like it transitioned or something over time. Yeah. Weird, though. Uh, Yeah. So once again, her reputation caught up with her. As like her final act, she threatened to use her powerful thought waves to destroy the city. Wait, what? (laughs) Come again? So... So basically, like people realized who she was when she was teaching, and she decided to threaten to use her powerful thought waves to destroy the city, as one does. I mean, it didn't work. No. But after that, she disappeared for good, and to this day, nobody knows what happened to her after that, which is like kind of shocking to me because it like of how much they were able to like figure out where she had gone up until this point but like she just like must have decided like i've had enough i'm just gonna disappear and she did yeah i mean i feel like she was very thoughtful in a lot of her things um and not thoughtful in a kind way obviously but just like more like she she well thought out yeah and so it sounds like, I mean, if she wanted to disappear, she probably could disappear. Pretty easily. Yeah. She crazy. Especially back then. That's not, this is nuts. She's nuts. Right? So in 1920, when her so-called husband, F.D. Jackson, came to Detroit, like he got out of Dartmoor prison and came to Detroit trying to find her. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously he didn't, but the Free Press, Free Press published an article that described her as such. Quote, This white Mahatma, queen of the flying rollers, reincarnation of the goddess Isis, mother of the 144,000, self-styled daughter of King King Ludwig of Bavaria and Lola Montez, and pretended godchild of Pope Pius IX, was one of the most extraordinary fake mediums and mystic swindlers the world has ever known. Wow. Yeah. Wow. This sounds like a... Uh, tabloid like this is not something like a real human right nuts and that's kind of where um the story ends and for my sources i think my last episode was about this book oh yeah i have that book the wicked women of detroit yes yeah that's a good book yeah so that's oh, it. um it was in this book the wicked women of detroit by tobin t book mm-hmm. which i think is last in this Funny, his last name is Book. But that and then like Wikipedia and the Detroit Free Press are my sources. Oh, that was fantastic. Right? Like, what a scammer. Like, yeah, she didn't do good things, but I got to respect the hustle. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. Ooh. Um, Like I said, a journey. (laughs) Yeah. No, when you text to me... uh, it was like Tuesday or something that you texted me about it. And I was like, oh, this is yeah. going to be interesting. Because you were so Yeah, excited. I was writing my notes for it on Tuesday. And I just like, was like, this is crazy. I love finding a story that you get like excited about. Like, like they're all fun to tell. Yeah. 
but there's a few that are like super exciting because they were something you didn't know about existing and then you just open this like i don't know pandora's box of information you're like what right yeah like good just even to think that like a cult like that was in detroit for a little bit because like it obviously existed before she got here and like i said i couldn't find a ton about it like when i was looking so i tried to look up like the flying rollers and basically like the only thing i could find was like a cult with like cd beliefs and basically like it had like some weird sexual connotation too. I can't really remember because I didn't write it down, but it's kind of like. I mean, most cults do. Yeah. That's like, it's rare to find a cult that doesn't. Yeah. They exist, I think, but. Totally. I mean, unfortunately, that's what like drives a lot of people in. Ge- Not unfortunately, that's a, it drives yeah. a lot of people in general. So if you're trying to um, lure people into a situation, it makes sense that that would be part of it, I guess. Like if they're trying to lure in mass amounts of people. Um, yeah. But yeah, cult, cults are weird. They're weird, man. They really are. It's, I, I love a good cult documentary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even Tiger King had a cult. You didn't watch it yet. I know. You haven't seen it. It's fine. I, I still I need to mention it. No, for sure. I almost would like, made, I almost tried to make a connection between this girl and Madam, or uh, Carol Baskin. Just scammer. All right. I can see that. Because also, I don't know a ton about it, but I just know that she's a scammer. Yeah, yeah. From TikTok, Carol Baskin killed her husband. And <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, my roommate and I today listened to nothing but songs about that uh, for, for a good 20 minutes. There are a lot of songs. Spotify. Oh, I believe it. Yes. Yes. Enjoy those. Uh, which, like, TikTok music, like, that one, like, I'm a savage, ratchet, boozy, but, like, I was just, like, walking around my house for, like, three days, just, like, I'm a savage, classy, bougie, ratchet, <laughs> like. They do, because they get, like, the, um you know, the catchy part of the song on loop. Yeah. Like, that, that, that's what a TikTok is. Um, oh, totally. What was the one, that, uh, there was one that was in our heads here, because we watched a bunch of them. Oh, the pew pew one. <laughs> Pew, 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 pew. I can't remember the rest of it. The chopper. Oh, it's a chopper. I don't know if I know this one. Oh, it's... <laughs> you know it. Why well, can't I... What is... I'm sorry. My roommate is in the background. What does it start with? Oh, yeah. Hold up. Wait a minute. It's a chopper. I don't know if I know this one. <gasps> Have I not sent you any of these? I don't think so. Everybody does like the big head thing with it. Uh-huh. That filter or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Uh, That's fun. I did not know what TikTok... I mean, I knew TikTok existed. I did not know until recently. Uh, I held out for as long as I could because I was like, that's dumb. And now I'm like... I literally... like I have a timer set, I think, to like lock me out of it after an hour and a half and at least once this week i met that limit i'm not proud of that i i mean it's okay it's fun it's fun but it is it's really easy to get into a black hole oh for um, sure you got to be careful with it um just be careful yeah be careful but are you ready 
for a game of two truths and lies. Good. Uh, so this week I did it about vinyl records because uh, being at home, been listening to some more records. Love that for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you ready? Yes. Fact number one. The origin of vinyl records can be traced back to the 19th century. Okay. Fact number two. A Velvet Underground record sold for $25,000, making it one of the priciest albums ever sold. Fact number three. There is no difference in sound between a black and colored vinyl, even though they have different properties. Shit. Like, literally, like, the first fact, like, that sounds true. Second fact, that sounds true. Third fact, fuck, that sounds true, too. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to go with the second one, because that now sounds low that I'm, now that I'm thinking about it. 25000 I think that's, like, if people pay, like, that much for, like, dumber shit, I can imagine people paying way more for vinyl. Um, that is actually true. I don't have the um, amount for how much the, you know, most expensive went for. Yeah. So I am not sure exactly. But yes, an under, a Velvet an Underground record, a Velvet Underground record sold for about $20,000 uh-huh. online in 2009. Um, okay. It was early versions of many songs that would appear later on the Velvet Underground and Nico, which is one of the most noted albums ever. It's the one with the Andy Warhol banana on it. You've probably seen. I was going to say, that's the only reason I know Velvet Underground. So I couldn't tell you a single song with them, but I know the banana. Mm-hmm. I have a reprint of that album. Actually, it's a pretty good, it's a good, like, uh, cleaning the house, kind of like just chilling in the background album. I like it. Yeah. I've so, like stumbled. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, so that one was true. I was going to say, speaking of good music to listen while you're cleaning the house, I stumbled upon like a subgenre of music called future funk. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, Part funk, part disco, part like retro futurism, and I'm 100% here for it. Okay, okay. Is it is it like a drive? Does it have like a drive forward? What do you mean? Like, is it a like? Does it have a like a oh. progressive beat? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, if you go to if. Anyone out there is a Spotify person. Um, there's a great playlist on there called The Future of Funk. Okay. So, but anyway, I think the lie is... All right, I'm going to go with the first one. So maybe uh, it's earlier than the 18th century. The first one is true. Uh, in 1857, a French scientist named Leon Scott developed the phonoautograph, which used a vibrating diaphragm to record sound waves on paper. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that leads us to the lie. Um, there is actually a difference in sound between black and clear and actually colored vinyl. So while okay. clear and colored vinyl um, is extremely collectible amongst fans because it's different, you know, it looks yeah. cool. I do have one clear record, actually. And I think two colored ones. In actuality, there's a sonic difference between them. So clear and colored discs usually attain more surface noise over time than standard black vinyl records do. I guess that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's actually like interesting because like, um, I believe the, the way that that reads to me is that they, they hold up better over time. The black ones? Yeah, well, it says they attain. That makes sense. Uh, more surface. Oh, I'm sorry. No, they attain. So they don't hold up as well. 
they attain more surface noise. So yeah, I think yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I feel like I don't know. Oh, I was just uh, <laughs> thanks, Dad. Uh, my dad just pointed out that Wu Tang Clan once upon a time in Shaolin sold for two million dollars. So oh wow. So that's actually more expensive. So maybe I lied about two things. <laughs> <laughs> accidentally it still was a fun true truth and a lie i honestly don't know much about vinyl i don't own any records or a record player i think really the only vinyl i've ever considered buying is bronski beat just because i really like the album artwork and i love bronski beat um i will say vi- i mean vinyl has a very different quality to it and there there really is i mean i love a good bluetooth you know listening session in my house or whatever but there uh, is something about putting on a vinyl record that it, it has a very uh more warm like it's a warmer sound quality to it um yeah and it kind of like i don't know it fills up a room very nicely we actually have two record players here my roommate and i both moved in with a record player and a record collection neither uh, of them are extensive but it's really fun once in a while we'll put one on and, uh, that is nice. Yeah, like on Easter, we listened to Bob Dylan. We felt very hipster. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't name you a single Bob Dylan song. I know I've heard the name. Really? Yeah. Oh, honey. Oh. Yeah. It's very like um. There's a soothing quality. I'm gonna make you a soothing playlist. Okay. Can I can I educate you about some some older tunes? Please do, because I have, like, no soothing music, because I just love, like, hype amp shit, and I'm just, like, always just, like, ah, if I can't dance to it, I'm usually not interested. See, but sometimes you need some chill-out tunes, like, you need those, like... I totally get it, and, like, I try to have, like, soothing... I try, like, I have a playlist on Spotify called Calming, and it's mostly Sia. All right. Um... Yeah. We're going to expand that for you. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do want to tell you, though, what I wish I made two truths and a lie about, because I thought about it earlier and I forgot. Yes. Uh, I really wanted to make it about Leslie Jordan, because I don't know if you've been following him on Instagram. I love him. It's so good. I love his videos so much. Same. I watched... I've seen... A good chunk of them. I haven't seen all of them. But I just love him because he's been on Will and Grace a lot. He plays Beverly Mm -hmm. Leslie, Mm -hmm. like Karen's arch nemesis. He was also on American Horror Story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. He was in uh, Roanoke, right? I think he was in that one. Wasn't he in the most recent one? Didn't he play um, the, the assistant to like the band or something or the tour manager? I think he so. Did. He wasn't in the whole season for sure because I would have remembered him more clearly. But when the bands were coming for the big festival, he was working with the evil lady, the blonde. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You were very right. Yeah. I yeah. actually really liked the season of American Horror Story, 1984. I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it... Um, I'm not going to say... It was, it's hard to pick a favorite now because I do have a few, but it was definitely up there. Yeah. I think like it's kind of getting to the point where you have to pick like an early season's favorite and then like a more recent favorite because it's just kind of like evolved in like the vibe and tone of the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of did like this season because I feel like it kind of got back to closer to like the earlier seasons. Mm-hmm. But 
that being said, I haven't seen Cult or Apocalypse, and I only saw the first half of Freak Show. Oh, you gotta watch them all. Yeah, I like. I'll go. Maybe that's what. Maybe that'll be the show I binge. Yeah, yeah. No, you should definitely watch them all. Uh, I mean, you've seen all of my favorites, so I'm not gonna be like, oh, watch this one, because my favorites are. What are my favorites? My favorites are Coven because. Oh, love Coven. Yeah, and then um, Roanoke. Actually, I it's disturbing, but I love like I think it was so well done because Kathy Bates. I mean, oh, what a queen! We're just gonna Kathy Bates and both of those seasons actually. Um, I mean, she was in Freak Show too, and that's a good season. But I'm not gonna put it in my top. Um, and then yeah, 1984. Wait, 84? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, like, is that that or is that the Taylor Swift album? But that's 1989, I think, maybe. Yes. I don't know things. Okay. Accurate on both accounts. Okay. Wow. Go me. Uh, I did like 1984. I think this, um, my favorites were Hotel and Coven. Mm-hmm. But I think the one that like freaked me out the most was um, Asylum. Asylum's freaky. Yeah, that one is super, super freaky. Um, the one I mean, thing that bothers of, me about them... Oh, God. I was going to say a lot of them are super freaky, though. Like, I do think Roanoke's pretty freaky. The one thing I hate about American Horror Story, though, is that usually, like, it needs to end two episodes sooner than it does because I think the last two episodes, it just goes completely off the rails and completely just, like, fucks over whatever they had built up the past, like, eight to ten episodes. And then it's just, like... Oh, uh, now we're going to throw 10 more things in for no reason. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's been a couple slumps in a few seasons for me, too. But as a whole, it's been good. Yes. I think that wraps us, though. I think so. Yeah. Definitely. So thanks for checking our live stream if you did. And Yes, yeah, so like I said, Facebook group. If you want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Detroit Strange. And if you want to email us, DetroitStrange at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to check out our Threadless shop at DetroitStrange.Threadless.com. We've got some great merch out there for you. And I think there's still a sale going on, but um, don't quote me on that. I just got some stuff uh, a couple of days ago. Um, oh, did it come in? No, not yet. I ordered it. Oh. I also wanted to say, if you have a second, please rate, subscribe, and review. Check out other podcasts. It's a kind of weird time for podcasts right now. You know, we're doing our best to work on our audio and try to bring you the best we can in these situations. Um, quarantines. Yeah, quarantines. But I hope everybody is staying safe, doing the best they can. Yeah. So until next time, stay, stay strange. strange. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was created by Sex and Violence.